I spend most of my time with Young Life working on a thing called Campaigners, which is a Thursday night small group environment. And Campaigners is designed for kids who want more. That, that maybe they've just come to Christ and they're like, I, I want to know more about who God is. And so we, we try to take kids deeper, try to take kids into the next step in their faith, hopefully that, so they can end up cultivating a faith of their own is the, is the, the hope. And um, we, do, we, we talk about things. We have a teaching time, and we do it in series or topics for a few weeks at a time. And the last one is called Fear the Beard. Okay? Um, I'm pressing the wrong button, according to Andy. Um, the, the, the last series we did was called Fear the Beard, and you can see we actually made t-shirts for it. We do that from time to time just to, to I don't know, it's just fun to have t-shirts for what we're talking about to help remind kids of what they're learning and stuff like that. Um, and, and this series in particular was about, it's, 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 it was a, about a not easy conversation about God's ultimate authority in our lives. That as, you know, like campaigners is a place for kids that want to draw closer to God. And it was kind of like a warning. Okay, listen, if you're going to draw closer to God, you need to know the closer you get to Him, the, the bigger He gets and the smaller you become. It's like if you got too close to a tornado. It looks great from far. You're like, oh, it's, it's not that far. But then when you get close to it, it's like, whoa. And, 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 and there's a point where you get close enough to God and the word respect just doesn't cut it. I mean, you respect your grandmother, right? Good. Let's pray. Um, you respect your grandmother, but, but uh, it's, yeah, I mean, you don't, you're not afraid of your grandmother. And there's a point where God is so big, and, and He's this, the creator of the universe, and we're in the universe, we're just this little tiny planet, and you and, you and I are just this little tiny person, little tiny planet, and, and you start to wrestle with that. You start, there's a point where fear is the correct response. And, and so we talked about fear. And then we called it fear the beard because of the Renaissance. We all think that God has a beard. And I don't know if that's true or not, you know, but because of Renaissance art, God usually has a beard kind of like this picture here. And then also we called it fear the beard because it sounds awesome. And then the other reason we, we named it fear the beard is it was a character study where we focused on the life of, of Moses. And, and God might not have a beard, but Moses definitely had a beard. I mean, I, he, he had to, right? I mean, it's just known fact. And so we called it Fear the Beard. Now, um, it was about the correct response to God. It was fun to challenge students who are young in their faith uh, to, to, to move and mature in their faith. Because here's the, here's the deal. Faith always has a starting point, doesn't it? A lot of times it starts kind of over here. And, and we're drawn to something about God, usually His love. That, that loving side of God. And as you get to know, if you're familiar with Christianity, you hear that God actually, he, he wants a relationship with us. That we can be friends with God. And it's like, you, you hear that, that that's kind of, that is kind of awesome to hear, isn't it? And then, you know, one of the things that we love telling to students all the time is, is, is you are worth dying for. You're so valuable. You're so precious and so treasured to God. You're worth dying for. And who doesn't want to hear that? You know, that draws us into faith. And a lot of times our faith starts with thinking about God as our friend. God as our heavenly father is another powerful image, especially if you hadn't had a great father in life, like a lot of our kids don't have. And, and so they, they get drawn into this. And then the idea of, like, they get further into it, and it's like they start learning things. 
God starts, you know, they start learning things through the Bible and, and, and learning things about life and, 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 and how to look at life. And it's like, gosh, this is good. But that's not enough, is it? Like, we, can, we want kids not to just stay there. We want, Fear the Beard was about taking them to this, almost this other side of God, although it's the same. And on this side of God, God's not only our, our friend and our, our father and our teacher, uh, you know, like an easy, good teacher, sometimes he's a hard teacher, isn't he? Sometimes teachers make us do things we don't want to do. And, and, and sometimes it, it, we have to wrestle with that. And more than even a teacher over here, you've got God, as, uh, he's our boss, isn't he? And we talk about this idea of Christian calling, that you are made for a purpose, and it's your job to discover what that is that God has made you to do. But it's not your job to choose what it is, is it? It's given to you by this almighty Creator God. And then even a step further from boss is the idea, we, 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 if you start reading the Bible, it's like God is the judge. He's my judge that I'm going to have to come to stand, and stand before Him someday and give account for the things that I've done. And not only that, He's the moral judge of the universe. That is, He's like, okay, all that's has just gone wrong. All that's gone wrong. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to make it right again someday. If you, if you read the Bible, you, that's a very clear message. He's a judge. We don't like judges, do we? You know, and, and beyond a judge, he's, he's a king and he's a lord. He can call us, you know, he can beckon us into his presence and say, you go. And we're like, okay, king. That should be our response. And that's what fear the beard was all about, to take young faith from over here and, and move it that way, which is challenging, isn't it? See, I think fear the beard is a great message for high school students. But as I was preparing and thinking about what I wanted to preach to you all today, I realized... It's a really good message for, for us, too, for adults as well, to recognize the authority that God has in our lives. And, 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 uh, and, and here's the deal. Here's why I think fear the beard is so important. We love, as human beings, we love being over here with God, don't we? That loving side. The friend side, it's, it's a helpful side. Life, life starts to make sense a little bit more maybe if you have that in your faith journey. It's helpful. But I don't think, I think God wants to take it further. I think that there's actually dangers. It, it becomes dangerous if we stay here too long and we don't recognize how, how, how big God is. I think it becomes dangerous because if we want to keep it over there, God becomes small. We start kind of trying to cram God in a box, and that just, it don't work, does it? And, and, and God's, you know, it, and, and we, we, there's all sorts of dangers if we, um, if we try to keep God over there. Um, and and here's, here's where I want to I cut to the chase here. This is where I want to go for this morning. As humans, we naturally draw to the, that side of God, the helpful side. And I think what I want us to recognize, and, and some of uh, we know this, but I want us to camp on it again to, to this morning, is that God wants to be more than just helpful in our lives. God wants to be more than just a helper. But He actually wants to be a hero. You, you understand the difference? A help, you know, something that's helpful is like your iPhone, or a tutor, or your accountant. See, that's the helpful category. God wants to be in the hero category. And I just want you to, I just want to, I want you to do something here. I, just, I want you to say these words. We need a hero. Say that with me. 
We need a hero. Okay, say, say it a different way. Say, I need a hero. I need a hero. Aren't those words hard to say? It, what does it assume? It's a lot easier to say, yeah, I just need a little bit of help. If I could just get a hand here and a leg up, and then I think I'd be good, God. You know, just, just give me a shove. God's like, yeah, you need a little more than a shove. Okay, God, what about one of those books that helps me kick those habits? Yeah, you, you need a little bit more than just a book. I, I heard it said once recently, and I just love this. If self-help worked, it would have worked a long time ago. <laughs> We would have helped ourselves a long time ago. It doesn't work. And God's over here. And I, I, I picture God like, God is all-knowing, all-seeing. He can watch television. You know, can you imagine watching TV with God? And of course, he's got the remote because he's God. And he, he turns on, his CNN's on. Just carnage everywhere. And you're like, God, um, can we change the channel? I'm kind of embarrassed to be a human right now. Yeah, we sure we can change the channel. Changes to daytime television. Okay, God, this is a step in the wrong direction, okay? All those judge shows and, you know, that kind of stuff and, 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 and broken relationships. And, and you're like, can we change it? How about the Discovery Channel, God? Can we watch the Discovery Channel? Or how about Telemundo? Because I don't understand that well, but you probably do understand that because you probably speak Spanish as well. But can we watch something else? And then he flips the channel and it's your life. It's this new channel on cable. You should get it. It's called Your Life. And you get to watch. It's the Josh Channel. You know, it's, it's your channel. It's the Nancy channel. And you get to watch the replays of your life. And you realize there's a lot of carnage and broken relationship in your life as well. And God turns to you and says, you know, maybe, maybe you need more than help. I'm not content with just being your helper. I want to be your hero. There's a story in the Bible where, where God is the hero. And he refuses to be nothing less. And that's the book of Exodus with the nation of Israel. And I want to, if you're not familiar with that story, I want, us, I want you to um, I want to look at that together. Um, I want us to, to, to kind of walk through that story. It goes like this. Israel, their story goes, they were helpless slaves to Egypt. They were a nation within a nation that had no rights to be a nation. And, and, and they were slaves. They were brutally treated. And so what they did is they, they said we needed, uh, they needed a hero. So they cried out to God. And God, you know, because they couldn't get themselves out of their, that scenario. They couldn't save themselves. So they cried out to God. And it's such a cool thing that God hears their cries. You know that? God hears your cries. Even if He doesn't uh, respond right away, He hears them. And, and in His timing, He, he comes and he intervenes, and he, he, they cry out to God, and, and, and so God sends a messenger. He sends this guy named Moses. And I, you get into Moses, he's a very peculiar, peculiar being. He, he had a lot of baggage. Let's just put it that way. God uses people with baggage, which is awesome. Um, and so he sends this messenger, and then through that messenger, God does some really, really cool stuff. He's, he actually kind of starts playing with the laws of nature a little bit. Sends all these plagues, if you're familiar with the story. And all of a sudden, like, frogs are everywhere. Till the point, like, it's a problem. I can't even imagine that. Like, so many frogs, it's a problem. Like, like life exi- might not stop existing because of frogs. I, it's just weird. And, and, and gnats, and, and, and what are some of the other ones? Gnats and flies and locusts and uh, um, um, boils and hail and darkness. Nine different plagues that seem random at first, but this is, this is really cool. Actually, what God is doing is He's messing with the Egyptians and their theology. 
See, the Egyptians actually had gods, lots and lots of gods in life. And actually, if you do a little bit of research, they have gods for each of those different things. They actually have a frog god. They actually have a god for locusts. Like when, when a locust came, you know, a band of locusts, a flock of locusts, I don't know, a herd? I don't know what you call them, but a bunch of locusts came through. They would pray to this god of the locusts to, to pray for relief. And God is like, every, with every single plague, He's like um, tapping on their shoulder, um, messing with their theology. Your God's not real. Hey, um, locusts, fear the beard. Um, hey, over here. Up here, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, hate to break it to you. You're not God, even though you think you are, because they thought he was God himself. And yet, in this scenario, he has no control. And God has all of it. Uh, even down to the, the Nile River was known as, there's a, there's, a, there's a God in Egyptian theology named Osiris. Maybe you've heard of him. The Nile River was supposed to be his vein. What a, and God turns the Nile into blood. It's the first, isn't that cool? My favorite one, however, is the last one darkness for, I think, days. He blots out the sun. God does this. He's just showing off at this point. He's just having fun. He's like, I watch this. I'm going to mess with him. Like, no one got hurt in that one. It's just like, it's just like, whoa. You know, so he blots out the sun. I mean, even in the modern age, we had an eclipse a couple of weeks ago. And a few of you were crazy enough. Like, you got so stoked and so freaked out by this eclipse, you woke up at 1 a.m. to watch the, the, not the sun be blotted out, the moon be blotted out for what, five minutes? Ooh, you know, and God's like, God's like, I'll do take, can you imagine what in the ancient world, the sun goes away for days and they're freaking out. And all of this is, is God not being mad. He's, he's, he's trying to get their attention. Both Israel and, I believe, Egypt. Hey, guys, I'm over here. Fear the beard. It, don't, you know, I, I, I want to, in, in Israel, Israel, come with me. I want to be your hero. Isn't that cool? So God does some really cool stuff. Um, and, and, and it ends with this, the last plague which is where we're going to camp tonight, this morning with Scripture, is, is um, the plague of the firstborn, if you're familiar with the story. The tenth plague, the first nine didn't work. They didn't get the results God wanted. Let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. Nine times. Pharaoh says no. God, so God has to go big. He says this one's going to work. And he, he tells Israel and, and Moses and Pharaoh, and he says, listen, I'm going to come down and, and, and an angel's going to wipe out all of the firstborn all of the firstborn in Egypt. And in order, Israel, for you to, to escape this judgment, because this isn't just him being mean. This is judgment. This is a mighty God saying, Egypt, you have, you have, I'm punishing you for, for hundreds of years of brutal slavery. I'm punishing you for a hardened heart towards me. I'm punishing you. And it's, it's poetic justice, isn't it? Because if you're familiar with the story, the Egyptians took Hebrew baby boys for years and just threw them into the Nile River because they, they, it was a way to suppress their population so they wouldn't grow and take over Egypt. And God's like, that ain't, that ain't cool. He's coming to judge that. And for Israel, he says to this to Israel, he says, if you want to escape this judgment, this is what I need you to do. By the way, this story, as we get into this story, this is, this got Easter written all over it. You'll see it here in a second. This is cool because we just had Easter two weeks ago. He says, Israel, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go find a lamb. 
And it needs to be a, a, a perfect lamb. Don't go get the lamb with three legs. Okay? Don't go get the lamb that can't see anymore and walks into walls. Okay? Like, like give me something that's valuable to you. Go get it and, and, and I want you to put your hand on it, slit its throat and slaughter it and let its blood spill. And now to us, this is so barbaric and so archaic. But to them, it wouldn't have been because if they eat, ate meat, the chances are they killed that meat. And in this case, God is just using that as like a, an, an object lesson. He's saying, listen, today it's a little different. I want you to, to, to slit that throat. And then when you do that, you're, you're in a sense, you're starting to grapple with the fact that something has to die in order for you to live. Something has to die in order for you to be saved from this, this judgment that I'm about to bring. And then he says, take that blood from that lamb. And he says, take that blood and, and put, put it on the doorposts of your door. And then, and then that's your act of faith that you believe me and you will be saved. I want, to, I want us to look at this passage. This is Exodus 12, verse 12 and 13. <clears throat> on that same night, the same night that they slaughtered the lamb, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn, both people and animals, and I will bring judgment because I'm the judge. I will bring judgment on all the gods, small g, of Egypt. And, and, and the reason I'm doing this is because, oh, I am the Lord. Remember that whole thing that I am? I am the Lord. I can do this. So the blood, the blood that you have spilled from the Lamb and that you, that you put on your doors, the blood will be a sign for you, a sign that you believe in me, that you have faith. It will be a sign for you that uh, on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over those houses Maybe you've heard of a festival called the Passover. And what was so cool is we were teaching this, this lesson to campaigners a couple weeks ago, right before Easter. It just happened this way. Total God thing in my mind. It was Thursday night, Monday Thursday, as some of you call it around here. In fact, some of you were here on that Thursday night, 3,000 years after this event, celebrating something called the Passover. And the Passover is when no destructive plague will touch No destructive plague touched Israel when God struck Egypt. And and I I got this chance to tell them, I was like, did you know that this isn't Mordor? This isn't Lord of the Rings? This isn't fiction. This is real. Egypt, you can go there and see maybe some of the stuff that the slaves built on their backs. It's a real place. And there's millions of Jews this night, that Thursday night, and more than a handful of Christians celebrating the Passover celebrating the day that God became Israel's hero. If you know the rest of the story, you know that, that um, it worked. Not only did, did, uh, did Pharaoh let them go, he kicked them out. And I think that was God's intent from the, from the very beginning. He rescued them by not giving them any other option except for, you're with me. I, I'm your hero. Uh, you're not welcome anymore in Egypt and that's the day that God became their hero. Now, did you know that Israel's story is actually very similar to our own? And let me let me explain. Now that we have the Old Testament, that was Old Testament. Now we have the New Testament, and we have Jesus who came and brought light to, to what was happening here, two thousand years before him. Uh, just like Israel was helpless slaves of sin, we would start to learn in the New Testament that we are actually helpless slaves 
this is as Israel is helpless slaves to Egypt, we learn that we are helpless slaves to sin. Now, I know this is hard to hear because we're Americans, okay? Like, like it's America here. We, 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 we don't need a hero. We, we is the hero, right? <laughs> like, like if, if we were back then, if America existed back then, it wouldn't have been God who saved him. We would have gone and saved him from Egypt. That's what we do, America. And it's hard for us to say, no, we need, we're helpless. Helpless Americans who are slaves to sin. We need the hero. And therefore, we need to cry out to God. As they cried out to God, we need to cry out to God ourselves and say, Lord, I can't get myself out of this. Uh, um, Oh, by the way, with the helpless thing, with the helpless slave to sin, if you don't feel like you're a helpless slave to sin, I just... One question. Have you ever done something that you knew was bad? You knew it was wrong. You knew it, it wouldn't, in the end, it would hurt you probably. And you did it anyway. As if you couldn't help yourself. See, we're helpless slaves to sin. And, and, and we need to cry out to God because sin is not just a one-time thing. Sin begets more sin, doesn't it? A lie, have you ever got caught in a, a string of lies? It's called a string of lies because it started with one. The first time you cheat, the second time you cheat, it's way easier, isn't it? And see, that's what God's looking at down. He's saying, you guys, you'll destroy yourselves with sin. Cry out to me. Uh, it says in, in Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You've got to cry out. So God um, sent a messenger uh, for Egypt. God, uh, it was Moses... In our story, God sent Jesus. Jesus is the reply. Jesus is the, what is the answer to our crying out. And then Jesus comes to earth, and he does some really cool stuff, doesn't he? Starts playing with the laws of nature. Water you turned into wine. There's one that he healed people. And it's, I love this because it's like the people who got healed were the, like, the people who were like, have mercy on me, please. They're like chasing after Jesus. They're like, hey, 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 please, 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 please. And Jesus, I, I, Jesus had to have a smile on his face. Saying, yeah, I'll help you. I'll be your hero. There's this one story that shows Jesus' power. He's asleep in a boat. And, the, and all of a sudden, a huge storm rages. And he's still sleeping. He's a deep sleeper, obviously. And, and so the disciples wake him up. They're like, are you nuts? Are you, aren't you afraid? Aren't you like, we're going to die here. And Jesus is like, Calm down. He goes to the bow of the boat and he just says one word. He says, peace. And it's almost, it's like the waves went like, oh, hey, it's Jesus. And they just calmed right down. <laughs> and it's, I love, it says in Mark that the disciples, they, the disciples, were, were terrified after the storm. They were more scared after the storm than during the storm because they were more afraid of who was in the boat than, was, than the storm that was outside the boat. Because who does this? He commands nature. And they listen to his words. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus does some really cool stuff. And just like the Israelites needed a sacrifice, so we too need a sacrifice. And Jesus is that sacrifice. Jesus is the one who, who paid for us. It, it's, 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 as if, um, it's as if we broke a window, right? And, and Jesus is like, I'll, I'll take care of this. You stay over there. How much was it? Okay, I'll take care of that payment. I'll be the sacrifice for you. And just like, just like the, the Israelites had to put faith in the blood of the Lamb and put the blood on the doorpost, we have to put our faith in the Lamb. 
And this is so cool. Passover night, 2,000 years after that whole thing with Israel, Jesus is doing Passover. The day, and have you ever thought about this? The coincidence? The day before Jesus died was this Passover night when he's doing this whole lamb thing. And he's, he's doing it with his disciples and, he, and they had this tradition. He's breaking bread and he said, you know, normally this bread stands for this. Right now it stands for me. This bread is broken. My body I break for you. And this blood, this wine uh, from the Passover meal that, that represented the, the door frames, the blood on the door frames, that's me. That's my blood that I'm going to spill for you. And they're like, What? It took them, I'm sure it took them months, if not years afterwards, to put it all together. Oh my goodness. Jesus is our sacrifice. And, and through that, uh, we are rescued. Um, and then, I heard it once said, because this, this is where Easter comes in. I heard it once said like by a professor, uh, I love this, he said, it's almost as if Jesus wrote a check for us. He covered it. His death on the cross was saying, I'll, I'll take that. All of it. I'll take all of the sin, all of the offenses. And he writes a check. And he, and, the, and he gives it to God. And the problem with checks is I could write you a check for a million dollars, but it wouldn't be worth that much. Right? I mean, you have to have money in the bank account to back it up, right? The resurrection. If Jesus had just died, we wouldn't be here. He had to rise from the dead. And the resurrection was, was, was the way of, of God saying, okay, the check cleared. Payment accepted. He, he said he'd take it, and he can. Isn't that cool? Does it make you want to go back and do Easter all over again? Can you see why? You see, you see the similarities between our story and how, how God, in a sense, will settle for nothing less than to be our hero, both for Israel and for us. Can you, can you see why it would be such a grave mistake to just see God as our helper? And I, I don't know about you, but I, I have conversations with people in our community. We live in a town where if you ask people about God, my, my experience has been this, not that they're against God. So, yeah, there's some negative, but there's more positive towards God of like, yeah, God's good. You know, like, I think it's good that people go to church and, you know, it's good to have that influence. And, and this, this story is popular of like, you know, we're going to come back to church because I want my kids to grow up with, with that positive influence and that tradition that I had. And I think that's good. If you're here today and that's your story, I'm so glad you're here. But the general attitude is, especially from the outside of the church, is, well, I think religion's helpful. It's, it's good. And I think that's even crept into the inside of the church a little bit too. Because we're human. It's easier to be over there, isn't it? To think about a God of love. To think about a God as our Father. And not someone who demands our very life. And so my question for you this morning is this. Is God your hero? Is, is God your hero? Or is He your helper? And, and here's a really good test. If somebody was, was to be able to look into your brain and see how, what you thought about God and your attitude towards Him, and maybe this might be the best one, your prayers to Him, if you're a praying person, if someone were to look at your prayers, would they think that God is more of your helper or a hero? Think about that for a second. It, your attitude towards God, your thoughts towards God, Lord, give us safety as we travel. Okay, that's good. 
you know, so-and-so is having a tough time. Would you just help them out? Okay, that's, yeah, those, the, the prayers are good. I think God wants more. The, have you ever asked the question, who gets to go to heaven? I've asked that question a lot. And when I was a little kid, I, I thought it was about good and bad, right? And I had this idea that, that um, I don't know where I got this from, but I believe that if I spent more time doing good than bad, that it was like a scale, and at the end, God would let me into heaven. And I had this really, really disconcerting thought one day. And I went and asked my mom about it. I said, okay, mom, you know all about the whole time thing, good versus bad, and then we go to heaven. What about sleep? Because I realized I was sleeping a lot. And it was important because that's like eight hours a day. I just learned like fractions. That's like a third of my day that I was spent. Is that good or bad? Because it could tip the scale for sure. And my mom, my poor mom was looking at me like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Eight-year-old Josh. It's, it's, I think it's a lot simpler than that. And I think this is why this is so important, why fear the beard is so important. When it comes to the end, it's going to be really easy, simple, uh, of who goes where. Either God's your hero or He isn't. Either you've been rescued or you haven't. Either you've cried out to Him or you didn't. And I know I'm preaching to a lot of people who have been in the church for a long time. And, and I think our tendency is to slip back towards the helpful side. Because we've already been saved, right? And you have. That, that doesn't go away. You don't have to ask God to be your hero every day. He's, it's a powerful proposition that he, he, yeah, He's our hero when we ask Him to be. But my challenge for you today is if you're in this room and, and you can't think of a time when you ask God to be your hero... Don't let today pass without that happening. Don't let it, Maybe you've been in church, maybe you, throughout your life, maybe you've always believed in it. He shared part of his story, his testimony. It was so cool, Todd. Thanks for sharing it with me. Of just, he said, hey, I always believed in God. I went to this Christian school. But it wasn't until about five or six years ago that I started to realize that God wanted my life. And if I can put words in your mouth, Todd, it's almost like you started fearing the beard. You started putting God, taking God out of this box or this category and letting Him be God. He demands our life. If you've been a Christian for a while, what I want you to do this week is I want you to spend just 10 minutes in prayer. Just do it today if you can. And, and, and here's, if, if Easter came and went without much significance for you, and, and, and it was... You wanted it to, but you just didn't know. I think it's time to, to, be, to, to start seeing God as hero in our prayers once again. And, and to, to open up that category. Spend some time being grateful for the fact that, God, I need to be saved. I, Josh Donoff, need a hero. Thank you for being a hero. Let's pray. Father, I, I admit I would be a wreck without You. I would not be here today. I sometimes think about where I would be and I don't like what I see. I'd probably be on my second or third marriage. I, I, I'd be looking for things in all the wrong places. And God, You saved me from that and I thank You today. Father, would You intersect every heart in this room, every story. And would you remind us 
of who you were to Israel and, and who you are to us. And will you somehow fasten that with a really, really sticky glue right in the front of our brains and never forget that you are our hero. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you're doing in this church, for the things that you're doing in our lives, that you're a big God, a God that's meant to be feared, but also a very personal God that wants to be a part of our everyday lives. I just, I'm blown away by that right now, Father. We love you a lot. Amen.